Hi. Y'all are courageous. This is tough stuff. And we still got a cup this week and next week. We're still diving deep. So take a deep breath. We're doing this together. Hold hands. Um, we're reviewing again, going back to the garden. <laughs> the way it was in the beginning. That's what our lesson was on, right? Uh, she does him good, not harm. And, and the first story we read is about Eve. This just breaks my heart. Totally breaks my heart completely. Um, so let's remind ourselves what the garden was supposed to be, right? They're given this charge to watch and tend, and in doing that, they're to do it together. One of the things I read was this beautiful picture that they are holding an arch together with their arms upstretched like the old Roman arches held with tension. And that's how they meet together. But when they're not both putting it forward, things crumble. So we have this story, our heritage. <laughs> it breaks my heart. She, one of the questions that Cynthia Held asks, right, is why was Eve approached? Did y'all think about that? What is she doing? Whatever she is doing, she's focusing on the sovereignty of God, on God's wisdom and his love. No, that's trusting God, right? That we focus, that God is in control, that God is wise, and that he loves us and does all things for his glory and our good. Is she focusing on that as she's looking at the one thing that he says don't eat of? No, she's not. She's focusing on the one thing that she can't have and she has an entire garden to enjoy. She's not focusing on the blessings and the good, she's focusing on the one, which kind of goes back to the caboose following the engine, right? Where do we put our mind and our attention? And the rest follows. So here she is not reminding herself of God's goodness. And she's staring at this. And she's staring at the fruit and Satan's slithering like a serpent, suggesting, suggesting, oh, this is good. Let me put a seed of doubt. God is not good. He's lying to you. Well, that sure looks good. And her hand follows her eyes and her thought. Respect would say that she engages her husband in conversation about this. The text says 
she ate. She decided. Mm. She focused on not God. She listened to the voice of the enemy who is suggesting lies and she bought it hook, line, and sinker and she acts on it. And in acting on it, she ignores the fact that she has a husband that she is joined with, that everything that she does affects him. Everything that she does affects him. Every time we listen to the voice of the enemy, our husband is affected. So in the midst of listening to a lie, she trades trusting God for doubt, doubting his sovereignty, doubting his wisdom, doubting his love. She trades trust for doubt. She trades obedience where she gets the fullness of blessing for rebellion where she's outside of his ability to bless her. And she trades dependence. And I'm just going to suggest dependence on God is what Candy talked about as that free fall with God. It is a restful, sweet, restful dependence for the striving of the self-life Independence is striving, stressful self-life. That just sucks because I have done that. And can I just tell you the, like, the tension in my belly and in the back of my neck, right? When I have so much that I have to do that I... Can I just remember, maybe some of y'all remember the Nestle Plunge? Back of the pool, right? That's falling into the arms of our Jesus. That's what restful dependence is. That's the trusting God. And she traded it all for an apple. And Adam, Adam wasn't deceived. Adam was not deceived and he ate anyway because he knew that if he didn't, they would be separated forever. Adam was not deceived, but he was staring at her and he wasn't willing to be incomplete. That is so sad. And she did that. <sighs> Eve forgot who God was in that moment of her desiring what she couldn't have because she failed to focus on what she did. She was, she was focused on a perceived lack. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In that version, I kind of go, I should not want, I should not want, I shouldn't have desire. Another version says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have no lack. I want you to just sit with that. The Lord is my shepherd. I have no lack. Eve was focusing on a lack and not on God. I have done that. And I have hurt my husband when I have. 
focusing on our daddy God, focusing on his sovereignty, on his wisdom, on his love, enables us to have a restful dependence, which is beautiful. And when we gaze into our daddy God, we are filled with his love and we can love and we can receive his blessing. Eve did not do that. The rest of our study actually gave us um, a picture of other ladies in the Bible who didn't do that either. So your packet, we have about five or six sheets we have to go through. We're going to go through these, and I want to do these so that you understand what we as women do can lead our husband in how we respect them, in how we love them, and how we are blessed by God in our intimacy with him, we either build our house or we tear it down. This is the same thing, but we're gonna focus on a different aspect of that this week. So this first page I want you to look at is a chart. This is it upside down, it's a chart. Um, and it doesn't have a title on it, but it's really a biblical example chart. And it's going to be the biblical person, what Satan's lie was, Satan's goal, how it affected their husband, <clears throat> but what God's truth is in that. So we're going to look at these as examples. Now I've shown you, I've already spoken about Eve. She took her eyes off of God and and listen to this lie that God was lying and he's not worthy of your trust. She traded trust for doubt. And the suggestion God's holding out on you was what she listened to. In the garden, Adam and Eve had unity, communion, and a blissful intimacy, an intimacy that wasn't just sexual, but it was mind and soul with each other and God. Um, if you have a pen out, I just want you to write somewhere on this page, maybe on the bottom corner, John 10, 10, because this is really Satan's goal in all of this. And y'all can look it up but I'm about to say it. The thief, he steals, his, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Death, stolen, destruction. That's what Satan's about. He destroyed the intimacy of harmony and peace and beauty that holiness in its wholeness was expressed. His goal was destruction of our intimacy with God through mistrust and this self-life of trading restful dependence for the striving, stressful self-life. That's really a jip, right? 
restful dependent. Okay. What is that effect on husband, right? Talked about that. Adam knowingly sinned and all of us now have separation from God. That's kind of a big deal. Eve, don't eat the apple. Trust God. God's commands for us keep us in the circle of his protection, a playground with a fence around it has more kids running around. Studies show a fence keeps kids feeling safe. Boundaries say, this is how far I can go. I can go and I'm good. I don't, I don't have to watch that. God's commands are a good thing and they give us our boundaries. They are for our benefit. His heart was always for her and Adam's, our best. Everything that God says is for our best, even when we don't understand it. Sarah, at the time of this story, right? Uh, we read she's, she's Sarai at this point. And um, she's waiting for God's promise She is impatient. She is so not trusting God. She is impatient. And she is like, God's not coming through. Okay, Abraham, you got to come through. So she gives Hagar to Abram, her husband. Let's make God's promise happen. He said it was going to happen. He hasn't happened yet. So stressful self-life, striving. Striving is how we make things happen, not restful dependence. Again, she's not trusting God, and so the voice of the enemy is saying, you can do it, you can make it on your own, you have a creative imagination, you can come up with a thousand ways to do something, and all of them are from the pit of hell. So she disbelieves God, and the backside of that story is Hagar gets super contemptuous. And what is the effect on Abraham? Sarah. I've done this. I have blamed everything on my husband in an emotional moment. It's your fault. Sarah goes, it's all your fault. He's like, I mean, honestly, can you just see him say, I did everything you told me to do, and you're not happy with me. I don't know if y'all have ever had somebody say, just tell me what to say or do, and I will do it. Okay, I've had somebody tell me that. Two people, actually. That's horrible, because that says I'm not really very easily pleased. And I have to honestly say, I can give you a script and it won't be good enough. I can tell you exactly what to do and it won't be good enough because my heart was not trusting God. Sarah's heart is not trusting God. God had his timing figured out. He ends up giving them Isaac, 
not through her striving, but just like Eve's sin of distrusting God led Adam astray, which we all suffer the consequences for and Jesus bore on the cross. Sarai's sin that led Abram away caused the Middle East conflict. Muslims come from Ishmael. And that conflict between the descendants of Ishmael and Isaac reverberate in our world to this day. Listening to a lie from the pit of hell has long-term effects. Please, we're going to talk about how to differentiate lies and truths. Two more examples. Rachel, following the example of Sarai, goes, Jacob, you're not giving me kids. She also follows the example of Eve by focusing on what she does not have, the perceived lack. Therefore, listening to the suggestion that God is not good and allows her heart to be doubting God when we should trust him because he is sovereign. He is good. He's wise. And he loves us in everything he does. But she's going, God, you're holding out. And Jacob, it's your fault. Jacob actually kind of manned up a little bit more, got angry. Again, they start having a baby war. That becomes a problem. I don't know if y'all read that whole story, if you didn't, or if you're not familiar with it, but that's horrible. But the reality is the lineage of Christ comes through Leah. God chose Leah and blessed her because Jacob gave Rachel all of his love. And she wanted children because that was socially acceptable. But Jacob loved her and all she saw was the perceived lack. Jezebel is another story altogether. She is heinous. My kids like to always remember she fell off the roof and was eaten by dogs because that is the fruit of her evil. She led Ahab astray. In those two verses that we looked at, there was not a king more evil than Ahab because he listened to the voice of his wife. Whose voice are you listening to? And how do you influence your husband? Because we influence them fully and completely. So we influence our husbands when we trust God and believe in his sovereignty and we let God and his Holy Spirit have his way with our hearts and our husbands. This next page is an example, a sample sheet of some lies that perhaps we have heard or said 
or believed. Each one of these has God's truth and a verse that's listed on the bottom. I'm going to look at these last two. My circumstance is different. What I have, the, the special circumstance in my life, is so unique. You know, I'm just outside. I'm so unique. I'm too far gone. God's reign and rule doesn't apply to me. God is sovereign. He is wise and he's good. In the Bible, God's truth, there's examples of everything under the sun. There's a genealogy. There's the where did Jesus come from, right? In his who God chose to raise him. And the lineage in Matthew, okay, in, in the God's truth, somewhere in the Bible, you will find a story or character to match your circumstance and um, because everything is common. I just want to point out four ladies in the lineage of Christ. It's all the Matthew begets, right? Matthew chapter one. But um, Judah is the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Tamar is actually his daughter-in-law but was righteous because Judah had wronged her. He didn't follow the law. Weird and weird situation. But God honored her righteousness. Salmon is the father of Boaz by Rahab. Rahab is the mother of Boaz. Boaz married Ruth. Bo so Ru uh, Boaz's mom, Rahab, actually scarlet thread out of Jericho. She was a harlot. And one of the Israelite spies married her. Nothing in your situation is beyond God. God is in the process of redemption. Um, I just have to say, the one kicker is, and David was the father of Solomon. There's a song, and it's by dead Uriah's wife. Her name isn't mentioned. But David is the man after God's own heart. God can take your circumstance and bring redemption to it, no matter where it is, no matter where you are. Because he is in the miracle sovereign business. And we're going to go on fast forward. So don't give up. Look through this. These, this page is really an example, and an example of going, this is a lie that you could say, Satan's goal every time is to break your intimacy with God, to destroy, to kill, and to steal. John 10, 10. He came to, oh, but the good thing is God came for us to have life. God's goal is always intimacy and life and redemption because he is sovereign, he is good, he is wise, and he is motivated always by a perfect love. The next page is actually that same chart for you to fill out.
And the next page is the voices in my head. So I'm going to kind of talk about these together. Because Satan's lie, Satan's goal, and God's truth, um, this, the voices in my head is actually, well, how do you tell the difference? It's all about the fruit. Is it life or is it death? Is the phrase going through your head, life bringing or destruction and death? So this is blank for you to start filling in. As we recall these lies, as we go, what is the lie that I am hearing? I'm going to go through these pages and then I'm going to give you an example of how all of this stuff had played out in my life. So we're going to, but this, Satan's goal is always to destroy to kill or to steal. God's truth is found in his word. So we're going to mine the word of God for truth and we're going to recognize the lies. Lies can be anything from, uh, I can't believe how irritating my husband is. My husband is irritating. To, I'm worthless. To, anything. Um, it can be the voices. In, and, and so the more we recognize lies that are not in accordance with the character and nature of God, because if we're looking at the attributes of God and that he is, and that as we trust him, we know that he is in control, all things work together for his good, his glory and our good. He is wise and he is loving, then what's going through my head and what's going on may or may not fit with that. So the voices in my head sheet really talk about how do I know the difference? How do I know what's a lie and what's truth? And this sheet has four bullet points in the, on the top. And it says, truth usually depicts events. And then the second bullet point says, lies usually depict characterizations. Um, there is a statement of fact that can always be said about any situation. But the why or the conclusion is almost always an assumption with Im with not complete, incomplete information. So my husband works long hours. Your husband may work long hours. My husband at times works long hours. And with different jobs, he has worked very long hours. Um, in the second bullet point, the first thing actually goes along with that. It says he'd rather be at work than with me. Well, that is assigning a why and a meaning that isn't there. It may be there, but it's still assigning an assumption, a generalized conclusion that suggests something 
when we assume the worst, it actually um, creates discord. When we assume the best because we trust God, because He is sovereign, He is wise, and He is loving, and He is in control, and I choose to be obedient to them, then we go, I'm going to honor my husband because he's working long hours. But the enemy would suggest that we, you know, there's hell to pay when he comes home. And that's the suggestion of the enemy. I didn't get a valentine from my husband. Maybe, maybe you didn't. Did you already give him one? Is Valentine's Day a one-way ticket? Do you expect that he doesn't need that on Valentine's Day? It's only, I mean, seriously, isn't this kind of a world thing that we expect that Valentine's Day is all about the woman? Why? Maybe it could be a time to actually celebrate our relationship in a beautiful way and just be delighted in. But to, but to I didn't get a Valentine, that's rather demanding. Right? Already the heart posture is demanding, but it, he might not have given you. But then the, well, I'm not going to buy him a present now, is an assumption, is, is a reaction to a hurt that the enemy suggests, well, just dig it in, dig it in, tear down your house with your own hands. And the enemy is going, woohoo, I win, because destruction happens. Lies from the enemy result in joy being stolen, death, and destruction. But what God came brings life and, and fullness of life and joy. And so we go, ugh, the effects of these things. There's a couple more examples. My husband cheated when we were engaged, so then he is totally untrustworthy. There's a lot that can happen in there. One, you still married him. And there's a lot more to know, but why did he cheat? He's totally unworthy of trust. That's a generalization. By marrying someone, we say, I choose to trust you with my life. And so the truth of God's word would say that we come together and we cleave. The husbands we have are the husbands we have, and God sovereignly is in charge of that. And we honor God by honoring our husbands. So truth is undisputable. No one can offer a contradictory truth. Whereas lies ignore the possibility of a different conclusion, another characterization, and often refute God's word. Do you remember the story from the beginning I told about the man who was on a train and he was irritated with the father and the children? And he assumed with incomplete information that this guy just needed to know it was bothering the people on the train. But Stephen himself got schooled when he learned that there was more to the situation. Truth 
actually has a weight to it that brings out compassion and love and believing the best. Satan can, these, these tricky ones can also basically go, okay, here's a statement of fact, so let's just do this is the, what I have to do. My husband wants to have somebody over for dinner. Yes, this one's not on the sheet. My husband wants to have somebody over for dinner. I have four things, four days in a row where I am up to here with stress and I have to get the house together. I have to get the menu together. I have to, the truth is my husband does want to have somebody over for dinner and I want to respect that. Me having to do it all by myself, cleaning the house, getting the kids' school stuff out of the way, getting dinner together, doesn't have to be all about me. But Satan would have me in the stressful, striving self-life, instead of restful dependence on God, would have me take it all on myself and kind of go, it's your fault. Then the way it works out is it's usually a beautiful combined effort, but I have to fight the lie suggested that it's all up to me. We have to recognize where am I choosing restful dependence or believing a lie and the lie is going to lead me to a striving, stressful self-life that takes me away from God and destroys any type of harmony or feel good feel or the way the family's going to work well, right? That, that's the result of that. So the result of believing a lie is going to be destructive. The result of believing God's truth is life-giving. <clears throat> the next sheet you actually have is another example of lies. So this is meant to help you fill out the empty Satan's lie in your own life. You want to personalize this because when we write it down and we remember, Satan is actually, he's efficient, which means he doesn't have a lot of tools in his belt. He uses the same suggestions time and time and time again. Um, first John talks about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Well, that's what Eve fell into. Ooh, what I'm looking at, I like want it because, oh, it looks good. So let me have it and let me boast about it and take wisdom so I can boast all of these things. It's the same, but it's all about destruction. Doubt God's goodness his sovereignty, his wisdom, his love, doubt those things and everything's going to go south from there. So all of us have some refrain, some lie that goes through our head. It can be any of these things. And the way this is charted out is you say God says reference. So if we go just look at the it's Satan's lie, Satan's goal, God's truth, so what's the lie that I hear? That's the you say part. 
The truth is what God says. And there's a place in the Bible where God addresses that. Okay? So, it's impossible, says me. I can't do this. All things are possible with God. That's why we can have restful dependence. There's actually three verses that say all things are possible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. I found more. Nothing is impossible with God. Have you ever said, this just isn't going to work? Everything, when we leave it to God's sovereignty and trusting Him, will. The rest of these go on and continue to give us examples of, I'm too tired. God says, I will give you rest. Nobody really loves me. God says, I love you. And we have those verses. On that one, cross out the John 3.34, though. That one, for whatever reason, shouldn't be there. That reference. Um, you say, I can't go on. I had a nephew who once, we were skiing, and he goes, I have so many aches. He was kneeling on the snow. We were skiing. And his mittens, I have so many aches and pains. I just can't go on. And yet God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient. I am enough. The lies are a big deal. In the same way that you are reminding yourselves of your husband's good points list and going back to that. And then there's the list of what my husband needs from me. I encourage you to put your husband needs you to trust God so that you build him up, so that you do not stand in his way. Because when we believe the lies of the evil one, we prevent God's blessing in our husband's life. Believe God with restful dependence 